That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast where we watch Batman v Superman by the Minute and then talk about it on a podcast. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that covers it. We have arrived at one of the, I guess probably one of the most famous trailer shots uh, in this entire film. Or just shots, period. I mean, this period. still shows up in like Robert Pattinson news stories for the new movie coming out like that's how like it's like the bruce wayne shot other than the one where he's yelling it's like serious news is this bruce and like shocking news is the bruce that's yelling when the tower gets slammed into bruce is going to stare at the batsuit for a while so join us won't you minute 47 begins now yeah i do even have any audio to just the noise of the shower as he just silently like i think that's <laughs> Or I think at the very end of it, we get, um, we get like, is that Bruce Wayne or something like yeah. that? I do want to be explicitly clear here. This minute is Bruce looking at the suit, then us looking at Bruce, and then Bruce looking at the suit again. And then we pull to the distant shot, right, of him leaving it, and then we arrive at the uh, – well, I guess we can talk about – I understand that this this shot, this uh, locked gaze between Bruce and his suit is a special one for you. Yeah, and and I, I feel bad because, like, I – despite how much I'm like, oh, I absolutely love this shot, I don't know if I have the answers about what it's all about. I just know why it – really intrigues me and kind of fascinates me and really captures so much about what it is about this Bruce. And it's all in the, in the cinematography. Well, I mean, that's the acting is phenomenal also, but it's like one of the most basic, it's just a little push in from the camera, which is like one of the, you know, like three fundamental camera moves in, in cinematography. Right. But it is used to establish like a, a, intensity or severity or urgency or just kind of it's like the the visual version of like a Hans Zimmer like on like low note <laughs> just like <laughs> resonating right so it just kind of builds that intensity a little bit but what it's used often to kind of communicate when it pushes in like that like so it's pushing in on Bruce's face and it's used to um to represent like an, something internal like we are we are we're going into his head kind of so he's he's internalizing something or he's processing something or he's trying to to make a decision like they, they try it's advised not to use it too many times in a movie because you kind of it loses its its impact and so the fact that it's kind of here is clearly supposed to be an inflection point on a sort of an important character moment and it's used to like you know suggest look harder there's something mental going on in this scene that we can't show you so we're just going to push the camera in to make you kind of think about it yeah. more and um and it's also used to express like a emotion like desire or contempt from yeah. whatever they're looking at the part that makes it really fascinating for me though is that they do that same push in both from bruce and when it flips to the suit 
it does the same thing. And so it's not just Bruce staring down the suit and like and contemplating it, but the suit stares back. And I, I think that's what this the cinematography suggests pretty clearly here. It's not just it's not just that he is hating the suit or desiring the suit all at the same time or contemplating his his life with that suit. But it, I mean, he's staring into the abyss and the abyss is staring back. Yeah. Right. And so especially coming after Alfred differentiating the bat from Bruce and one being more successful than the other, which comes right after him literally struggling with a demon bat in his dream that had consumed the memory of his mom. Yeah. It's just the, a stare, right? But the yeah. eyes and the locked jaw, there's just a little push just adds to it so much that there's just this contempt. I think in the trailer, they might use this shot when Alfred says the mm-hmm. fever, the rage. Yeah. And so I can't not hear that whenever I see this also, that the, the, the fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness. And like you said in the last minute, like the suit makes him feel powerful. And so I think that's also why he hates it, that he needs it to feel to feel powerful. Yeah. And I don't know. There's just, it's, 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 it's wordless. It's just, it's just a stare and a camera motion. And then the suit does, is it's the same thing, but there's, there's a, there's a characterization happening there by the way the camera treats the suit. And also it's a shot down on Bruce and a shot up at the suit. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, so it's, he's idealizing it and it's looking down on him or judging him for being weak we say it's a demon, but it also is him. So it's his, he, he's the two halves of him, of him are staring at himself <laughs> in contempt. And I don't know. I, I, I just, there's so much emotion about this character and the, the beautiful lie that is Batman that he told us about in the opening moments of the movie that um, it all kind of comes to a head here, which I, I love. Yeah. And then it transitions from that to the Robin suit. And there's nothing. Yeah. There's no push in on Bruce. There's no push in on Robin. He just looks at it and and kind of moves on. It's clearly an important thing to him, but the contrast between like this stare down and then he's like, oh yeah, and there's also there, <laughs> there's also that. <laughs> yeah. I I think the this moment of him looking at the bat suit, it you're right. Like it became so used in marketing and kind of used all the time that. It's, it's hard for me to remember the feeling of it when I watched it the first time. Like, it's the same reason why they used it in the marketing is this look tells so much about what Ben Affleck is bringing to this character. Yeah. It's funny, too, because you saying, you know, the suit looks back. No film approach to Batman before has ever even made that. The suit was just a thing he put on. So even in the way this this is presented, it's making it clear that and I think it makes it clear why you cast Ben Affleck, why he's so good in this role for me. A guy who looks like him, he's he's a movie star for a reason, right? Like he is this big, strong, handsome guy in this shot is made to look small, like you said, the way that it's filming him. But the look in his eyes as he stares at this thing is pity, like just a a look of sadness, surrender, just it's a way that a man like him having that look on his face speaks volumes in and of itself. And this is the one that always hits for me. He's looking at the suit like he's dissatisfied with what it is. And I think in in 
the larger story that we've kind of talked about, the suit has ceased to be what it was intended to be for him. Right. What's the beautiful lie? I'm looking at this with contempt because this is not the solution. This is not an answer. It just isn't. Alfred speaks to that, right? He's been interrogating guys and being violent and everything, and it's not working anymore. And when I picture him looking at the suit and having that look on his face, like, what am I even doing? Well, and here's our Nolan our Nolan moment for this, is that kind of feeling, that feeling of powerlessness yeah. always brings me back to that Joker interrogation in The Dark Knight when joker is cackling at him and says like what are you what are you gonna do like your your strength is useless yeah like what are you gonna do with all that whatever the exact line is like all that all that strength hit me over and over and over and it's not going to get you any closer to saving you know obviously it's not a sequel to that it's a different universe and everything but that that feeling of i can't just punch things and make it work yeah is like in his eye here when I picture the scenes later on in the movie of him finding the answer, and in this story, they're all Bruce. It's never Batman. And that that's obviously a clear decision. And I think that him looking at Batman, looking at what it is, and the fact that the suit is very clearly empty is going to inform a lot that comes later in the movie when something emerges to give him a purpose, to, to again, give him a clear mission because – his opinions about Superman have been stewing and have been driven, driving him downward, like we've said, or to extremes because of the feeling of powerlessness that it gave him. Now we're going to find out what happens when that power is offered to him. It's held out literally in the hand of Lex Luthor saying, you know, take this. This is what you've been missing. Yeah. And this is going to be the actual answer. Fortunately, it's it's a really grim vision and an obvious look at uh, – Snyder has said that in – he never got to explore it really, but this was Dick Grayson's Robin suit? Yeah, so that never – so in during pre-production – or not pre-production, but during like production, there were some set photos that revealed that there was a grave for Richard John Grayson, I believe. Mm-hmm. People thought it was a dream sequence or – Whatever, because, oh, no, there's no way. And we had seen the bat suit, I think. And so people were like, no, that's Jason Todd. This is this is Dick's dad. Of course, they're going to be buried on the Wayne property or whatever. A lot of fans have always they, – they sort of hitched their wagon to the Zack Snyder is comic accurate, like, to perfection. And that's what makes He's it. He's a slave to it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what makes it good. And he does do what he can to honor that. But, like, if you look at The Dark Knight Returns, when Frank Miller first wrote that – I don't. I'm maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. I think that was before death, death in the family, right? Um, and so it was not continuity anyway. But um, or maybe it was after. But I think I always thought the implication in the Dark Knight Returns, at least when it was written, was that I mean Frank Miller had absolutely no. He's a, he's a good I guess figure to bring up in the same conversation is. You know, as Alan Moore, we make up these terms like Else Worlds and everything after the fact, but. Alan Moore did not sit down and think, okay, I understand for this, I'm going to have to set this in an alternate reality. Right. He would just tell what was the best story he He'd could tell. tell. Batman story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is because I always interpreted this as, I guess, people assumed at the time Zack Snyder was trying to plant seeds for a, a sprawling, cohesive cinematic universe with tie-ins to Suicide Squad and all of this stuff. Right. When and this is like setting up Jason Todd, understandably, because like he's the he's the the Robin that famously died. 
But really all Zack Snyder needs to say is in this story, Bruce had a Robin and he died. Yeah, exactly. And that works. It works, obviously, in yeah. itself. Yeah, and he's since confirmed that um, he he's confirmed like on on Vero that it was it was supposed to be um, Dick Grayson. It's so silly too, because Man of Steel is so much its own thing that I guess when the movie came into theaters, people were still hewing to the idea that this is the Dark Knight Returns explicitly, not his own story. There's so much wrapped up in this too, because. Now in 2019, we know that what Snyder was doing was telling a, he went to Warner brothers when they were like, we need sequels to this. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I have a five part Superman story. It's going to be beginning and an ending. Yeah. And it it ends. Yeah. It starts and it ends and it's five parts and it's going to start with man of steel. Well, as he said in interviews that in order to do justice league, Superman's house has to be in order. So we do man of steel and then, um, and that was planned before the entire thing was fleshed out. But during Man of Steel, he kind of came up with the rest of this arc that includes introducing Batman in the Man of Steel sequel. Yeah. And then the Justice League in the sequel to that, uh, Justice League two and three. And there, everyone is basically a side character in Superman's story in this arc. But because of, you know, whatever reasons, Warner Brothers didn't communicate that to people, didn't pitch it to people. They didn't. Like, imagine if they had come out and said, we're going to tell this awesome five-part Justice League epic, and it's going to end in 2019. Or, yeah. or 2019, or probably it would have been like 2021, probably, if we, if we maintained the three-part Justice League story. Or maybe 2020, if we were lucky. All of these fans will be getting all excited and asking questions about what's possible, and it's great for fans to be excited and talking about it. Just... Oh, now this is tipped over to where people are connecting plot threads that are not at all right. what was actually intended. I guess maybe I'm not – I someone could give a more impassioned defense of this. But when I saw that, I thought, oh, man, so this Batman has had a Robin who died. Also, that kind of fits with where he's at <laughs> as a person. I won't look more into that until they tell me to, I guess. Yeah. Exactly, which I think is appropriate, but and and I think it was supposed. My understanding from what I've heard from people that I I know that worked on the movie is that it was intended to be specified that it was Dick Grayson. They had a, a headstone made and everything, but Warner Brothers really wanted people to see this as a response to the MCU. And which is why they never kind of came out and said, like, this is why a... Why kill a character before they even appear? <laughs> exactly. Well, because you killed Dick Grayson, then all of a sudden, well, now there's no Nightwing. And wait, does that mean Red Hood isn't on the table either? Like, there's no Bat family. Like, like yeah. that's all just off the table. That's not going to happen in this universe. But yeah, per your point, there is a Robin that died, I think, clearly at the hands of the Joker. Like I mentioned, after kind of going into all the cinematography about how they handled the suit, how this is... It's not that he doesn't care about it, but it's like it's it's a burden that he is like he's not struggling with it in the same way that he is like he's not wrestling with the death of Robin at this moment as he is with his identity and his own suit. It's just kind of a backdrop of his life that he lost his soldier. And then he does what any man would do in that scenario. He strips naked. <laughs> yeah, and then the uh the ultimate edition we got that Ben Affleck butt shot. Yeah. <laughs> and this scene is really interesting to me because he he's just 
doing that thing of like where you're in the shower and you're like, how have I been in here for 30 minutes or three hours? I'm just like, I think he doesn't look older at any point in the movie than he does here. The way he's leaning against the wall, you can just feel the backache. And I don't think you can see any scars in this shot, but, but he, he's, it's, he's clearly a, a well-worn Batman. And the thing that I noticed also this, this time around is the camera comes up on him over his shoulder he looks back yeah, over his shoulder and the way the cinematography is set up, it makes it look like he's looking back at where like in like for the focal point, like where the suit would be based on where it was like in the last shot, which just kind of adds to that. Like even when he walks away from the suit, he's still like wrestling with it in his head. I guess I should also say the, this, the lighting of every part of this is gorgeous. And at this point, I always take it for granted. But um, even even that that shot you're talking about, I think eighty percent of his face is in darkness. Yeah. But it is the the idea that what is a comfort to most people is discomforting mm-hmm. to him really carries. And I think you know the fact that we're given that kind of the shot of the Batman face, which is just this blackness, and now we're seeing Bruce. I'm not going to say it's echoed or anything, but I like the play of light and dark where it is mostly dark. Yeah, well, and and like I said, the way he's leaning in the shower, it's like there's a burden on him. Like you can feel the weight. Like he's just he's naked. He's naked in the shower. There's like never a time when there's when he was wearing when he's carrying less weight, but he's hunched like he's got like a I don't know something on his back, <laughs> and then he unsheaths. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's a, he gets out of the shower. <laughs> he gets out of the shower. Before he unsheaths. Before, and then unsheaths his um, Aston Martin DB3. I guess as a, a bit of trivia, this is the car that James Bond drove in the novel before, I think it was a DB5 in the movie. The DB3 looks way better, and as I understand it, I believe this is Zack Snyder's car. Yeah, that is his. That is his car. It's like a, and he, um, I believe he drives. He's. I've seen pictures of him in it that he posts like to Vero, fairly frequently. So, um, it's it's like his. I don't know if it's daily driver or, or what, but yeah, it's a terrific car. And then we get. I think this is the the confirmation here of where the lake house is situated relative to the Wayne Manor where it is nearby, but this really drives home. And then we, you know, I think he, the car drives through their frame and then the camera hits Wayne Manor and then locks onto it. And we see just the state of disrepair that it has fallen into, um, like even more dramatic than in that dream sequence. Yeah. And it's another fascinating thing that this is just kind of all the stuff that he's surrounded in. So the scene starts with him staring at the bat suit and then he looks at the Robin suit, and then he drives past the collapsing Wayne Manor. This is his his life. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do people expect when he shows up? And they're like, is Bruce Wayne here? It's it's almost like, w- would they be asking like, oh, gosh, this like this guy who has nothing in his life except just a dreary gray existence. Yeah. And this sports car almost becomes like a, a mean joke. Yeah. We end with the terrific tease of him arriving at this charity gala. And then are left waiting, which is killing me because this is the <laughs> you've been waiting for this minute. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think 
in the ultimate cut, it's delayed even further. Like it's pushed back into the movie markedly, like a, a, a not insignificant amount. So I've, I've been anticipating this even longer than usual. Obviously, usually I have to wait like 25 or 30 minutes and now it is several months. <laughs> <laughs> we are on the cusp of Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent being in the same place together. Yeah. It has been a long time coming. And, and the, uh, the, the, the spider that is then. Puppet master that is Lex Luthor is is also going to be there. Should should we record these next episodes in like black tie? <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, it is an interesting contrast to go to from, like I said, sort of the, the progression, and especially if you look back at from when we first entered this scene in Bruce Wayne's life, we entered through a dream framed colorless against the dilapidated Wayne Manor. He goes into his parents' tomb where he confronts a bat demon that is in his mother's tomb. And then he wakes up and takes pills and drinks booze to get rid of that as the Maplethorpe hangs over his bed and there's a faceless woman in his bed. Then Alfred tells him the bat isn't working and Bruce Wayne needs to... You need to be you. Yeah. And then he goes and he stares at the bat suit and then he looks at the dead Robin suit, and then he drives past Wayne Manor, and then he's at a party. Yeah. <laughs> In light of that, I, I will give him more credit for being as upbeat as he seems. Yeah. <laughs> Which really makes me wonder, boy, Clark just has no idea what he is about to step into here. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think any of them, any of them do really, but it's all, they're all dealing with someone different. Yeah. Bruce arrives at the party. I guess he has a mission. He is planting a leech. In Lex Luthor's fancy book party, he is unprepared for the fact that he is going to meet, I guess, the figment of his trauma and thing that pulls him out of it, too. All at one party. What a party. Wow, the power of reading. Well, and they don't even – there's another person at the party, too, that they, no, no one even knows about yet. Hey, yo, Misha Bukowski. <laughs> And then he unsheaths. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a, he gets out of the shower. <laughs> he gets out of the shower. Before he unsheaths. 